All right, so uh, how many here are freshmen? Just raise your hand. I want to see how many are freshmen. All right, that's wonderful. The Lord has a, has a bright future here. Praise the Lord. Well, um, I don't know, some of you, this may be your first time with us, I don't know, um, but if so, we've been uh, taking a journey through the book of Genesis and seeing some of the uh, crystals there, some of the precious truths that are revealed in this book. Um, and a very important point as we get into this book is to realize that what is written in the book of Genesis, especially concerning God's people, is for our admonition. So a lot of things could have been written in Genesis, but according to the, and based on the divine inspiration, there's certain items that are put there for the sake of the New Testament believers. So when we go through all these stories, we're not just reading a story about Jacob's ladder or about... Uh, you know, a dream or this or that. Actually, we need to realize that all these points, maybe a lot of them we read as children, have very significant meaning for our Christian life. Okay, so um, as I mentioned, we've been going through this book for several semesters now. Uh, last semester, we started with God's calling. And we see that, do you remember who that was with? Who was God's calling with? That was with Abraham. Starting in chapter 12, we see God's calling. And there's this particular title in the Bible of God called the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not the God of Adam or the God of this person or that person, but it's the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And this indicates to us that the lives of these three, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they correspond to what our Christian experience needs to be. So for the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob to become our God, we need to pass through all their experiences. So we've been covering these experiences. Um, and actually, these experiences are the experience of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. With Abraham, we mainly see the experience of the father doing what? Firstly, calling. What else happened with Abraham? He got justified by faith, by believing in God. And he learned how to walk by faith. And also, he learned how to live in fellowship with God. So that's the life of Abraham. And Abraham had a son, Isaac. And with Isaac, the main experience is the experience of the son. Firstly, if you recall, do you remember he was being offered up by his father and God provided a ram? So that's the experience of Christ is our redemption. So Isaac experienced redemption. Also, another aspect of Isaac is that he, he was rich and he became richer and then he became exceedingly rich. His story is really simple. It's just riches and more riches and riches. He was just blessing upon blessing upon blessing. And this is the experience of Christ with all of his unsearchable riches as our enjoyment. This is a life of grace. Okay, so then we come to Jacob. And with Jacob, firstly, he experienced the father and the matter of the father's loving and the father's choosing. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. That was God's choice. That was the father's choice, the father's love. 
And the main thing you see in Jacob's life is a lot of dealings. His name, of course, we recall means what? Jacob. What does that mean? It means the planner or heel holder. He was a conniver, and he was always trying to get what somebody else had that he wanted. I mean, from the time he was, you know, he had a twin, right? And from the time they were coming out of the womb, he was holding his brother's heel because he wanted to be first. He was always struggling to be first, to be on top. You didn't want to be around Jacob because what's ever in your pocket, eventually it's going to end up in his pocket. Your wallet's going to become his wallet. He's just, that's Jacob. So God had to deal with him a lot because eventually God had to become the God of Jacob, right? So we've been seeing a number of items this semester related to Jacob. First of them was, what was the first item we, we saw related to Jacob's experience? Do you remember? What was the first one? If I recall, it was a dream. Do y'all remember? That's way long time ago. That was like three weeks ago or four weeks ago. <laughs> and I remember the brothers sharing these four items related to that dream. Do you remember the four basic items that were in that dream that were so crucial? What were they? Before the ladder. The ladder is the central item, but before that there's four items. There was a stone, there was a pillar, oil, and house of God. That's right. Okay, so he had a dream there. Um, and then that dream was just an awesome dream. And that dream is so central in God's purpose because God is after his house, right? So we saw that matter. And then we saw God's what? We saw God's choosing. We saw God's dealing. We saw God's breaking. He touched his thigh, right? After that time, Jacob walked with a limp. And then also we saw a big item with Jacob is transformation. Because for God's building, we have to get transformed. So there was just dealing after dealing, struggling after struggling. So eventually God could gain Jacob for his purpose, for his building. Okay, so now tonight we're coming to the matter of the reality of Bethel. You might say, well, we already saw Bethel. Why do we need to come back to Bethel again? But it's very interesting. We always need to come back to Bethel. Because God's purpose was there. God's desire was with, to have something at Bethel. Okay, so if you recall Jacob's history, he's leaving his, his parents' house. That's when he has that dream at Bethel. And then after that, he goes to Padanaram, to Uncle Laban's place. And he spends many year, years there, and he gets a big family, and he gets all kinds, all kinds of things happen there. And a lot of dealings, a lot of dealings. And you know what happened there in chapter 31 is, you know who appears to him? Guess who appeared to him in chapter 31? The God of Bethel. And he told him, he said, rise up and go to the land that you came from. So that shows us, he gave, a, gave him a dream there, but at that point, earlier on, before, many years before, it was just a dream. It didn't change him at all. It didn't change him at all. But the dream was there. God gave him God's dream, what was on God's heart. So he went about his life. He continued to be Jacob, maneuvering, always trying to get what he wanted, and then Uncle Laban not letting him get what he wanted. 
And then the God of Bethel comes to him. So then he heads back. And then he's afraid of Esau, his brother, who he stole the birthright and the blessing from. And there's a night there where he's, he's there and he's struggling. And a man comes and they fight. And that was God. And he changed his name. His name got changed from Jacob to Israel. He fought with God. So God changed his name to one who struggled with God and also to a prince of God. So that implied what? In the Bible, when a name gets changed, that implies transformation. Just like he changed Peter's name, right? Simon was changed to Peter. He became a stone. The Lord changed his name to stone for a building. So with all of us, the Lord wants to change our name. From what we are by our natural birth, we're all Jacobs. I don't care. You might look like the sweetest sister and just so fine and refined, but you're a Jacob. I know it. Because we're all Jacobs. We're all supplanters. So the Lord wants to change our name. Okay. So then he fought with God that night. Everything went well, fortunately, with his brother Esau. And then he goes and he settles in a place. He builds a house for himself. It's all about himself. And then he's in Shechem. And in Shechem, he has this experience where he lives in a tent. And also, he built an altar. And that altar is called El Eloi uh, Israel. And that's the God of Israel. So he had, you know, there was something going on there with Jacob, very positive. That's chapter 33. Then in chapter 34, there's a big problem with his daughter and his sons going and killing all these men in Shechem. And eventually Jacob said, you have made me odious. You've made me stink before all these people. God wouldn't give him any rest. God arranged that. Okay, now, now we come to Genesis 35. So if you look at your outline... At the top it says, this is what, the vision of Bethel, what? It comes again. However, this time it didn't come as a dream, it came as a reality. Remember, this is many years later. Jacob has passed through a lot of experiences. And now it's just not single Jacob having this dream, but it's Jacob who's been enlarged. He's got a big family with him now. Okay, so that's the scene we're, that, that we're at, that we have at the beginning of Genesis 35. Okay, so let's, I'm going to read these verses to you, and you can just, you can look at them. I'll read to you. I can put my, I'm going to put my glasses on so I make sure you can see everything. Don't miss anything here. Sorry, I'm getting old. I was with this brother that we met on the gospel last year, this past week, and we were sitting there, and he was telling me how his parents were coming in town. It was his dad's birthday, and they were going to have a celebration. And I said, oh, really? How, how old's your dad? And he said, oh, yeah, my dad just turned 50. I'm like, what? Your dad just turned 50. I'm about to turn 50. <laughs> you know, before that, I just kind of felt like we're about the same. And I realized, wow, he, he kind of looks at me like dad. That, that was hard. <laughs> that was hard. Okay, so anyway, I'm wearing glasses now. Okay. So then God said to Jacob, here it is again. Rise up. Go up to Bethel and dwell there. God's heart, after all these years, brothers and sisters, God's heart had not changed. God wanted Bethel. 
He gave the dream many years before. His heart doesn't change. God, remember this, God wants Bethel. And make an altar there. Don't just go there and dwell there, but you need to make an altar there. What's an altar for? What are altars for? They're for worship, okay? What does an altar imply? It implies consecration. Because we put what we are, we put what we have on that altar, and we offer it up to God for his satisfaction. That's consecration. Okay. So God wanted him to consecrate in Bethel. Make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Then Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. It's very interesting. He didn't tell him to do that at Sukkoth. He didn't tell them to do that at Padan Aram. He didn't tell them to do that at Shechem. He had an altar in Shechem. That was kind of like his personal altar. That was his personal experience. But when they were going up to Bethel, he told them what? Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourself and change your garments. So he had a very definite realization. We're going to the house of God. We're going to God's dwelling place. And to have that move, there needs to be purification. Idols need to be, be put away. And garments need to be changed. Because this is where God is. Now, I heard a number of you got, have been baptized in the last number of weeks. Has anybody in this room been baptized in the last, say, couple months? Praise the Lord. Listen, listen, Carter. You know what happened when you got baptized? You, you put away your idols and you got purified and you put on clean garments. Yeah, Romans 6 says that when we were baptized, our old man, that garment that we had on, it got buried with Christ. So we could be raised to walk in newness of life. You know what that new garment is? It's the new man. That new man is Bethel. Praise the Lord. You may not have realized that when you got baptized. You had some realization. You may not have had these words. But that was all that was going under the water. The idols were going under. All the impure things. Wasn't it good? Oh, I remember. Listen. Listen. When I was, uh, I had just turned 18. I was finishing my senior year in high school, and, uh, and I was moving to Austin, Texas to go to UT, and really it was to come to Bethel, is what it was. And I had been in Shechem, and I had received the Lord when I was young, but uh, really didn't have an environment really conducive to going on with the Lord in a very good way. And, but I would say I had a Shechem. I had an altar. I remember in the evenings, Sometimes I'd go to my bedroom and I'd just have my guitar there and I'd be singing hymns to the Lord. That was a sweet experience, you know. But there were still idols. There were still unclean garments. I got some supply there, but it was just, it was individual and it was weak. And then I came to Austin and I started meeting with the brothers. 
And within, it was no more than two weeks. I think it was within a week. I told her brother, I said, you know what? No one's even talking about baptism. And I just said, I need to get baptized. And I just remember, I'll never forget that day, just going down in that water. It was like every idol was going down. It was really that way. Every unclean thing, that old garment, everything. And when I came up, I was like, wow, I'm in the new creation. <laughs> praise the Lord. What, praise the Lord. What does that mean? That means you're headed up. You're going up to Bethel. Brothers and sisters, we're headed to Bethel. Okay, so let's see a little bit more here. So, and let us rise up and go up to Bethel, that I may make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. Do you notice anything here? What did God say? God said to Jacob, rise up. What did Jacob say to the people? Rise up. God said, go up to Bethel. What did Jacob say? Go up to Bethel. What did God say? Make an altar there. What did Jacob say? That I may make an altar there. Wow, Jacob has changed. He's one with God now. Whatever God's saying, he's saying. Actually, when you get baptized, that's what you're saying. You're saying, I, I accept what God says. I agree with God's judgment. He says, my old man needs to be buried. Yes, I'm going to get buried. That's what you did. When you, Carter, when you got baptized, that's what you did. You said, I'm one with you. I'm one with you, Lord. Maybe you've been journeying, and you've been journeying through the years, collecting a lot of things. But now, God says, rise up, be baptized, washing away your sins. And Carter says, amen, rise up. I'm going to rise up, be baptized, washing away my sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's exactly what Jacob was doing. He was just one with the Lord now. What a change Jacob has experienced. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hand and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak that was near Shechem. And as they journeyed, the terror of God was upon the cities that were around them, so they didn't pursue the sons of Jacob. God was so much with them in this move. He even put fear in all the people around them. There's not going to keep any. No one's going to come in the way now of them getting to Bethel. God was so much for Bethel and for them to dwell there. Okay, and then Jacob came to Luz, which means what? What does Luz mean? It means light, right? That is Bethel. Bethel is full of light. The house of God is full of light, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him, and he built an altar there, and he called the place El Bethel, the God of the house of God. Before we have the God of Abraham, we have the God of Isaac, we have the God of Jacob, we have the God of Israel and Shechem. But what are all those titles? All those titles are God of an individual. But this title is the God of the house of God. This is the God of a corporate people. This is what's on God's heart. He wants to be the God of the house of God. He wants to be the God of a corporate people. Yeah, he wants to be Chris's God. He wants to be John's God. He wants to be Carter's God. But that's not enough. We've got to get to Bethel, El Bethel, the God of the house of God. Praise the Lord. 
Okay, because there God has revealed himself to him. God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Um, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse dies. She's buried below Bethel under the oak. And God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. He had changed his name before, but that was more prophetic. It's very interesting because after he changed his name there, in the record, he's still called Jacob. But after this experience, if you look at the beginning of the next chapter, you know what his name is called? Israel. So this was God's deeper work in Jacob to transform him into Israel, the prince of God. You know where this happens? Where does this happen? It doesn't happen in Padan Aram. It doesn't happen at Peniel. It doesn't happen at Shechem. It doesn't happen at Sukkoth. It happens at Bethel. This is the house of God. And practically what this is, is what we would refer to as the church life. That's what I was missing when I was in high school. I went to church on Sunday. I went to Christian schools for 12 years. But not much change in me because it wasn't the church life. It was just going to church, right? Going to Christian schools, a lot of activities, but not the church life. What we see here is a corporate people going up. And the main characteristics of this house, one of them in this house is that all the members function. We see this very, very clearly in the New Testament, that all the believers, what? They all function in the body of Christ. They all function in the house of God. And also another characteristic of this life is that it's day by day and it's house to house. It's a church life. It's not going to church once a week. It's a daily living. Are some, are, you, are some of you enjoying this daily living at Bethel? I tell you what, if you get into this life, a lot of things happen. And this is what we see here with Jacob. One thing that happens is transformation. Your name gets changed. Okay. God said to him, your name is Jacob. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called his name Israel. And God said to him, I am the all-sufficient God. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from your loins. Another experience he had here was what? The all-sufficient God. Do you want to experience the all-sufficient God? The all-sufficient God is for Bethel. The all-sufficient God is for the house of God. You know, when I was younger, before I came into the church life, before I'd gotten baptized, before I enjoyed this day-to-day, house-to-house life, learning how to experience the Lord and grow in the Lord, I definitely had some experience of the Lord, His faithfulness, His care for me, but I couldn't say I experienced His all-sufficiency. Once you begin to be in a living with other brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Lord becomes so much richer in your experience. Because now you're not just experience, experiencing Christ for yourself, you're experiencing the Christ that others have experienced and enjoyed. What an enrichment. Now I don't just have my experience, 
I have Carters and Seths. I have Aaron's. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Okay, this is Bethel. And the land which I gave to Abraham and to Isaac, I will give to you. I will give the land to your seed after you. Then God went up from him in the place where he had spoken with him. So this was direct speaking. This wasn't a dream. God was actually there with him, talking to him. Very intimate. God's appearing was very definite here. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. Do you see a difference here? There's one difference here than from the dream in this part. What's the difference? There's the pillar, there's the stone, there's the oil, but there's something else here. What does it say? There's a drink offering. What's a drink offering? Well, this is the first time in the Bible drink offering is used. There's all the basic offerings, which are different aspects of Christ that in reality that are experienced and enjoyed by us. But this drink offering is the experience of Christ as our enjoyment to the point that we just pour out. We pour out. And you know what this becomes? This becomes wine to make God happy. Wow. This didn't happen to Jacob before. But when he got to Bethel, a drink offering got poured out. So in Philippians, Paul said that he was being poured out as a drink offering. That's what Paul said. His experience of the Lord in the church, in God's house, Paul's was so rich that toward the end of his ministry, he was just getting poured out. And that pouring out was being coming wine. Wow. Praise the Lord. What do you think? Do you want to become wine to make God, to cheer God? Yes. Wow. Brother Chris, Amen. just stay in Bethel. Amen. Just stay in Bethel. You'll get, you'll get transformed here. You'll get enlarged. You'll get multiplied. You'll become a drink offering to pour out on God. And ultimately, God will get a house on the earth. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. And Jacob called the name of the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. All right, so let's just read through real quickly these, these outline points. Um, and there's a few verses here from the New Testament to kind of give us some words to the pictures that are shown here. Okay, let's read together Roman number one. At Bethel, Okay, so this can only, this, remember this name change, where does it happen? Where does it become a reality? It's in the house of God. Okay, uh, Roman numeral two. Okay, so we covered this point, but let's look at a couple verses here in the New Testament. Ephesians 3 says, Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be full of strength to apprehend with all the saints. Who are the saints here? This is all the brothers and sisters. What the breadth and length and height and depth are. What are these measurements of? These are the dimensions of Christ, the unsearchably rich Christ. And then Paul concludes this prayer with what? To him be the glory in the church. 
this is Bethel, to him be glory in the corporate body. And then Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, one body, one spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all. At this point, the one body has become one with the triune God, the one spirit, the one Lord, the one God and Father of all. Okay, Roman numeral 3, let's read that together. The all-sufficient God. Roman numeral four, Bethel. Roman numeral five, Okay, let's read those verses in Ephesians together. And not his fullness, humans not, but Bethel is. Amen. The church is his house is. That's where his fullness is. Roman numeral six. After, After experiencing the reality of Bethel, Jacob entered into full fellowship with God and Hebron. The fellowship at Hebron means intimacy, peace, satisfaction, and joy. And finally, Roman numeral seven. 